Hello, and welcome to the Tech Startup Show. In this episode, I speak to Aaron, the Director of Data Science at AcreTrader, a fascinating company allowing normal people to invest in agriculture. So let's jump straight into it. Hello, Aaron. Do you want to just start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I grew up in Middle Tennessee uh, in the southern U.S. On a, I grew up working, you know, hay fields and on farms and whatnot. Didn't grow up working on a farm or living on a farm. I grew up working on a farm. So I I spent probably fifteen years, I, I guess, in the ag space, uh, working in the agriculture industry broadly speaking. Uh, earlier in my career, I spent most of my time in international ag development, um, and so I actually spent a fair amount of time. I spent almost five years uh, living and working overseas, uh, built ag operations in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, as a civilian, non-military, spent uh, quite a bit of time in South Asia, uh, mostly India, um, ended up in, in grad school. Uh, studied agricultural economics and uh, quantitative geography. So ended up with a PhD in environmental dynamics, uh, where most of my research and work focused on agricultural and environmental impact assessment, which, you know, sort of falls in the vein of economics, but also environmental science, uh, spatial analysis. So that's sort of my varied background. I was a professor for four years before I jumped over here to AcreTrader and started running this data science team. Uh, so broadly, you know, I've been in the ag industry 15 years. Um, really uh, love to stay on the edge of things. I like hard questions and hard problems and uh, hence, you know, going the academic track for a while, but I get to work on a lot of hard but fun problems here at AcreTrader. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear a bit more about AcreTrader and some of those hard problems you're working on. Yeah, sure. So AcreTrader started in 2018. So it's not, we're not super young as a company overall at this point. Um, I feel like in startup years, like, you know, that's a decent age. Um, But uh, yeah, so started in 2018, uh, our CEO, Carter Malloy, who's, who's actually grew up on a rice farm here in Arkansas, uh, which is also where I'm based now. Um, he worked in the, the investment industry for, for over a decade and was, was actually in the the Bay area in San Francisco. He had bought and sold farmland, uh, kind of as a hobby on the side. Um, but just, I guess at, at some point realized he was ready to move out of the West coast investment world and back to Arkansas and wanted to see what opening this space in buying and selling farmland could look like. So AcreTrader is a platform for crowdfunding farmland investments. So it gives, you know, basically we go in, we work with farmers that have a piece of property they want to buy and farm. They either want to farm but don't want to buy or they're looking to sell uh, and, and just get it out there on the market. So we'll go in and vet that property. If it is a good fit as an investment, then we will put it on the platform, work with the farmer in a longer term, you know, cash lease contract, um, and then put it on the platform for investors to vet and choose to invest in uh, a share, right? So you'd purchase um, a share of that farm as an undivided security. Uh, Once we capitalize the farm, we then own it for typically five to 10 years. And, um, 
uh, investors are getting annual dividends off of that farm from the, the lease agreements. And then they're also capturing the appreciation value on that farm. So that's sort of the big picture of how it works. Um, work with farmers on the front end to purchase and capitalize that farm. We then hold it for a period of time and take care of the farm management. Investors never have to talk to farmers. Farmers never have to talk to investors. That's our role uh, in this system. We put good farms on the platform. We capitalize them, make sure they're well-funded. Um, you know, farmers, we're good landowners, we like to say, uh, in the sense that, you know, if your well goes out or something, we're going to replace that in a day, right? We're on the phone, we're on the field uh, as soon as we need to be. Uh, but on the investor side, you know, you can you can trust that that we're doing a good job managing that. You don't have to know anything about farm operations to invest in a farm, uh, which is, a you know, historically has been pretty hard. And what is the benefit of people investing in farmland rather than stocks, bonds, or other assets? That's a great question. Um, so farmland and timberland, uh, which we've recently gotten into, uh, are under the fall under the umbrella of real assets. So they are uncorrelated with the stock market, which means that they are a good hedge against inflation. So that's a, a huge benefit. So of course, in the U.S. in the past year, we've seen a, a pretty big boost from that. People since you know probably middle of last year looking for ways to hedge against inflation. Um, farmland um, tends to, you know, again, real asset, it's going to appreciate over time. Uh, they're not making any more of it. Uh, that's probably the old cliche at this point. But, you know, we've got more and more mouths to feed and more and more clothes to provide, uh, more and more fuel to produce and less and less acres to produce it. And so uh, from just a simple economics, you know, supply demand perspective, it's a really uh, it's a good bet. What does your role as data science director involve? Yeah, good. You know, another good question. Uh, I think data science director could mean a lot of things in a lot of places, particularly in the startup world. Uh, what's interesting at AcreTrader, so I mentioned, you know, we do a lot of due diligence. So when a farmer, you know, comes to us or, or a land broker, for that matter, comes to us with a property and they're like, hey, I think this could be a good fit for the AcreTrader platform. We have a, a farm team and a timber team. Uh, and those guys go in and they start by doing uh, what we call digital due diligence. And that involves lots of different mapping tools or used to involve a lot of mapping tools. And they would go in and look at historical imagery, for example, look at soils data. And about 80% of the due diligence was done online digitally. And then the last 20%, of course, we have to visit the field. You got to see things on the ground, look at financial information on the farm level. Uh, and then they would decide to put it on the platform. Well, it, when AcreTrader started five years ago, you know, uh, sort of ballooned over a couple of years. And all of a sudden our farm team is, we, we had four or five different mapping subscriptions, right? Different softwares that we were getting different pieces of information from. Highly inefficient process for what, uh, is digitally available. And so we, AcreTrader, I should say, this is pre my time, AcreTrader launched a company called Acres.co, which is actually the, the team that I work on. So Acres.co is a mapping, um, I shouldn't even say, it's not just, you know, I think there are plenty of plat maps out there. So if you just want to look at parcel level data, there's a lot of that out there. Um, 
I, I, I'd shift and say that we're more of a like a land intelligence platform. So uh, it's it's access to data. That's where it started was like we need to do be better, faster, easier, more efficient due diligence on on farms digitally. And so we need all these data layers. So again, historical imagery, soils, uh, vegetation index, flood flood layer, right? Or how much of this farm is in a flood zone or things like that. We put all that in one place into this, you know, uh, plat map, if you will, and use that in the beginning. From there, we've kind of morphed into a couple of other things. So now we've got over 130 farms and acre trader that are under management. Um, and there are others out there like this. So uh, we've realized the need for like a portfolio management tool in the con in a geospatial uh, setting, right? So being able to manage your entire land portfolio in a geospatial tool, see quick summaries on an individual property basis, and also see uh, summaries at a portfolio basis. So, so that's sort of the the two big big things we provide: digital due diligence at a parcel level, but then the ability to look at many parcels that you own in one system. Uh, so my role as a data science director, I'm about 30% people management. So I manage a team of data scientists that are implementing, you know, going and getting this data and put it, getting it ready to, to put in the platform. I uh, spend a bit of time, uh, of course, on the, the technical management side. So thinking about what new data we should be putting in, how it should be executed, what kind of systems we need in place to make sure that it's done well. Um, and then uh, the rest of my time is really on the business side. So uh, so there's kind of three areas that I spend most of my time. And how do you collect the data you mentioned for your platform? Yeah, so in the US, we have the USDA, the uh, United States Department of Agriculture, hosts and collects and hosts a tremendous amount of, of data. Um, it varies, you know, of course, by ge geography and scale and all of that. But, you know, we're we're getting uh, from the National Ag Statistics Service, for example, we're pulling the county yields for specific crops and we're pulling the county rents for specific crops. Those tend to be, I, I would say they lag a bit uh, behind reality. So especially the, the rents tend to be low. They're more like a baseline. Uh, so you wouldn't want to lease something for under uh, the amount that you're getting from the USDA. Um, you know, we're going to FEMA, uh, which I forget what that stands for. It's a federal organization, emergent federal emergency management association, maybe. Um, so FEMA produces some flood layers, uh, flood zones that we pull in. USDA also has the National Ag Imagery Program. So we pull historical imagery uh, in from that group and host that on the on the platform. So a lot of it is government data, which is why like the, the basic version of Acres is free. Uh, so anybody can get on with a free login and see those, those layers because it's government data. It's already publicly available. We're just making it much, much easier to use uh, and in one location. So instead of you know, going to 10 databases, you can come to Acres and you can zoom around anywhere in the US. You can look at your parcel and who owns it and all the associated data alongside it. And what are your future plans for Acre Trader? Yeah, so um, again, I spend most of my time on the, the Acres side of the house. Mm -hmm. uh, Acre Trader, um, we're, we're continuing to grow fast. We've got one to two farms on the platform uh, on a weekly basis. Um, 
And so the, the land market is tight in the U.S. right now. You know, certainly uh, farmland is a good investment and therefore you don't see a lot of people selling. Uh, there's a lot of competition when a farm does go for sale. Uh, so we're, you know, we're definitely in that space, uh, continue to work with farmers to source new farms for, to, to put on the platform. I think we'll continue to do that this year and ramp up our offerings. Uh, we're pretty excited. We have several timber offerings, uh, that have gone through in the, the past year. And we've got one on the site right now, if it hasn't funded yet. Um, so I think we'll continue to do timber deals, uh, in 2023, on the acres side, we're spending a lot more time with our sort of premium tier. Uh, we've got an advanced search feature uh, where you can kind of go in and zoom to a county in the U.S. and say, okay, uh, I know this landowner or this farmer and he owns X parcels. I'd like to see all those parcels in one view. So you can use the advanced search feature to get at that. We also in the premium version offer a set of, so once you've selected a parcel that you're analyzing, we have all that digital dynamic information there, but you can actually generate reports. Uh, and so we've made that available in the premium version. So we're starting to explore that with land brokers. So what kinds of things do they like about the current reports and all the data provided? Um, we've got customization in the tool with notes and things like that. Uh, so we'll continue to push those forward in 23. And then last but not least, we've got our enterprise uh, uh, software, which is a pretty recent offering for us. But again, larger land managers, if you own hundreds of parcels, for example, or hundreds of farms, and you're, you're interested in looking at those in a portfolio view, then we're building out a suite of tools that give you that kind of access. And the key data there, so I mentioned on the free version, we've got all this sort of publicly available data. The the real value when you get into our enterprise software is we have lots of comparable sales data. And so in any real estate, the way you're coming up with a good price uh, for your house or a building or acreage, uh, whatever it may be, you're typically looking at some of their comparable sale. So, okay, I've got a 10 acre farm or, you know, in our case, typically it's going to be forties or eighties or something like that. So I've got a 40 acre farm, 80 acre farm that I want to, um, or a parcel that I'm interested in valuing. I need to go find other, you know, parcels that are similar in acreage, similar attributes, and the price that was sold for recently to get a good valuation of that property. In doing that, it's hard to get good comparable sales data. Uh, you know, in residential or commercial areas, it's, it's pretty easy, right? Because you have houses selling all the time. Farms don't sell all the time. So within your county, you know, finding comparable sales that actually closely match your property requires a lot of effort. So we've built a database of thousands of these curated comparable sales that are highly verified uh, in terms of the boundaries. We get a lot of additional information on how much of that ground is tillable or farmable, what the soil scores are like, and uh we, we use that to match it with the parcel of interest and help you work toward evaluation. Uh, so that's a key part of the data you're getting access to in our enterprise software. Uh, and then a bunch of tools to interact with those associated comps or comparable sales that are attached to a parcel. And a bit earlier, you mentioned you, you did some research around ag tech. Could you elaborate a bit on that? 
Yeah, a lot of my work, uh, at least in my dissertation, I spent a fair amount of time uh, using satellite imagery to monitor crop production, uh, identify crop production. Um, so probably the, the easiest paper to, to talk through, I've got one paper I published using satellite imagery to map um, rice production in Bangladesh at relatively high spatial resolutions. So we used, there's a NASA satellite called uh, Landsat. And so it's, I think it's the longest running uh, land mapping satellite in the world. It's over 50 years that they've had this, this program going. And so I, it maps every pixel on earth uh, every eight to 16 days at 30 meter resolution, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a pretty wild uh, number. Um, so I basically took uh, 30 years of Landsat data over Bangladesh. And if you take, if you look at the, the spectral, you know, uh, characteristics, so like we see red, green, and blue, but in a satellite image, we might collect other information, near infrared, uh, light uh, specifically is important for agricultural monitoring. And so if you look at the ratio of, of near infrared to red light in a pixel of an image, it tells you something about whether it's a crop or, you know, what the land cover is, in other words, so water, crop, uh, soil. And if you map that over time, you can actually paint a picture of whether that was soil or a crop or timber or weeds or something else. And so we mapped rice pixels in Bangladesh for the, the dry season, actually, uh, for uh, a 15 year, 15 year period. And you mentioned agricultural economics. What is that? So agricultural economics, um, so similar to, to farmland, I think farmland gets couched as like an alternative investment now, right? Uh, it kind of fits in this weird world where it's like a different kind of investment. I like to think of it as sort of the, the original investment. Um, you know, I mean, the first things humans traded at scale was probably farmland or productive land. And I would say agricultural economics fits the same vein where it's probably like the original economics. So like, if you're studying supply and demand, the the original way to do that was probably food production, right? What's being supplied and what's being demanded on the food production side. And so ag economics, um, broadly speaking, is just that. It's about agribusiness. It's about food production. It's about food marketing. It's about agricultural and food supply chains, Um broadly speaking. In the U.S. in particular, uh, we have uh, what we call land-grant institutions, uh, and these date back to the late 1800s where um, basically policies were implemented to uh, endow certain universities, one in every state effectively, to be land-grant. So there's a three-pronged mission in those universities. There's, of course, teaching, which is what we mostly think about. But there's also research, which we also tend to think about. But these universities that are land grants also have an extension mission, which is effectively education uh, more broadly. So not just teaching students, but teaching the general public about agricultural research um, and disseminating uh, new research in the ag space or the food space. So agricultural economics uh, in almost every university, every land-grant university in the U.S. has that three-pronged mission of teaching new ag business, ag econ students, 
conducting research on the agricultural uh, economics of the region and disseminating that knowledge broadly uh, outside of the university and applied um, in applied settings. And what do you think the future of ag tech looks like? Well, that's a big question. The future of ag and the future of ag tech um, may be somewhat independent. Uh, they're, they're related, but I would say the future of ag, especially here, what we're seeing is I think you're going to see more and more people participate in farmland ownership. And I think that we're playing a key role in that, you know, helping more people connect to farmland. It's unrealistic to think that uh, in the future, more people are going to farm. I think that's a really unrealistic thing, right? The labor is hard. Uh, it, agriculture tends to be pretty remote. Most people aren't interested in living out. out. Some people are. I like living out of the city, but uh, a lot of people are not interested in that. And so they may not farm actively, but they may own farmland. And so that is their way to participate in the agriculture space. We have a lot of people moving out of farming. So in the U.S., we're expecting, um, so we have, you know, all farmland is worth, you know, the, the asset class is, is valued at $3 trillion plus, uh, which is, so it's, it's huge. It's a massive market. Over half of it will change hands in the next 20 years because our farming population is aging. Uh, I think it's now over the age of 65 is the average farmer's age, which is, you know, that's, that's getting up there. And with less and less, uh, you know, children uh, going into agriculture, uh, there's going to need to be a shift in how agriculture operates. So on one hand, I think more people will go into farmland ownership vis-a-vis uh, -vis investments um, uh, similar to what we provide on AcreTrader. And likewise, I think you'll see kind of a continued growth in farm management organizations. So people that are ready to lease, they don't want to own, they don't want the leverage of owning um, all of the farmland. They would like to lease that farmland and farm at scale, focus on the operation side of the ag business and not the land ownership side of it. And so I think ag tech relates to that in that Whatever ag technologies support farm managers expanding operations in that way are going to win. Um, I think autonomous vehicles, autonomous tractors, autonomous sprayers, things of that nature, I think we're a long way off. Um, but you're seeing some pretty exciting technologies come to bear in that space. And I think that is the future because they're going to be less. There's already we struggle with labor uh on on ag operations today that's only going to get harder so i think any automated ag tech any ag tech focused on automation is going to play a key role in the future and what are your thoughts about the sustainability of agriculture and how that's shifting it's a good question it's a broad question <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, I mean, it, it, we we get that question a lot, specifically with with a focus on you know carbon credits. Are you going to offer you know investments in farmland where there's carbon credit? There's sort of a carbon credit play at hand, um, and I'd say we're like cautiously optimistic. From our perspective at AcreTrader, we spend a lot of time not just doing due diligence on the front end, uh, 
So should we buy this farm or not? We often do buy farms that need improvements. And so I, I don't know that I want to speak broadly to like all of the sustainability issues in agriculture. I think that would be out of the scope of, of, of my knowledge. But I know for us, we evaluate purchasing land and improving land as a core part of our business. So for us, it's not about getting in and, you know, uh, you know, just buying land and then farming it out in cash leases, we buy the land, we also invest in improvements. So if that's conservation tillage, if that's uh, drainage tiling to improve the productivity of the soil and get the water off, um, preventing erosion, we we invest in those things to ensure the longevity of, of this farmland. And so I think that's going to be a critical part of, of the future of ag as people choose organizations to invest in farmland with, like us, we're a partner to the investor and we are the stewards of the farmland as its owners. Um, so it's up to us to, one, invest in that land, but also we vet our farmers. We make sure that they have the same level of commitment to the, the health of the soil, the health of that farm and the long-term productivity of that farm. Uh, so that's what I can say is that's we spend a lot of time thinking about that and vetting that on the front end uh, with our properties. And how far do you think technologies like automated tractors, um, things like that, how far away do you think that is? And what do you think the biggest roadblocks for those new technologies will be? I think there are technologies already being experimented with in the field you can you can you can get on youtube and find all sorts of interesting auto, autonomous tractors that are that are being tested i think the barriers are kind of twofold on one hand it's regulatory right so regulations play play a role uh in making sure that these developments don't go so fast that we endanger people but at the same time, if a regulation, for example, limits a tra an autonomous tractor speed to less than two miles per hour, then it's going to take a really long time to harvest thousands and thousands of acres with that vehicle. So, you know, you don't want a uh, loose tractor going across a road, though, and taking a chance of causing an accident or something like that. So I think that's where the tension lies. It's not that regulations are necessarily the only thing slowing it down. The, so that's one side of the equation. The other side is, is the technology smart enough to not get in the road? Um, so I think those two things have to have a healthy tension. Um, but again, I'm, I'm kind of speaking outside of my my space. Uh, so so <laughs> that would be my my perspective. I think I think there, those technologies exist now. Um, they'll continue to, to improve. But uh, I, I don't know that anybody has a safe bet on when we'll start to see them and like major you know large-scale production how do you think data science being applied to ag is going to to benefit farmers in the future it has to be in efficiency uh in my mind so farmers are price takers right the commodity markets for the most part dictate prices um, and so your control of your profit is almost entirely driven by how efficient you are with your inputs, your fertilizer, your chemicals, you know, your sprays, uh, your diesel, you know, are you using, because 
automation. So a good, good example of this, a widely adopted feature today in the ag tech space is uh, tractor guidance, right? Because it makes sense uh, using autonomous tractor guidance is going to reduce the overlaps and gaps between rows when you spray and therefore you're spraying more efficiently. You're spraying minimally um, or applying nutrients minimally. And so you're going to save money by reducing um, over application. Um, I think that's probably the, you know, in, in my mind, if ag tech is going to solve problems and be widely adopted, it has to reduce inputs, uh, which are very costly. And we've seen that just exponentially grow in the past year with, with issues around the world. What are your thoughts on genetically modified crops? Good question. So I think uh, genetic modification is another tool in our toolbox. Um, so, so from my perspective, I mean, I think there's certainly room to go through the the trials that are required to make sure that everything is safe and healthy, and we don't have any issues um, environmentally or in, in terms of human uh, human digestion. But everything that I've seen to date, at least on the scientific side, seems to say that they are safe, at least in the way that we've executed to date. Um, again, I don't want to get outside of my lane too much, but uh, I'm a proponent. I think they're a, a good solution for us to adopt and improve efficiencies, reduce pesticide use in many cases. Um, so that, yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. Final question. Where can people connect with you or support you? Sure. Uh, LinkedIn uh, is a great place. I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and uh, feel free to check out my profile there. Uh, shoot me a message on there and I think that's how we got connected, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that's probably the best place to reach me. Awesome. And we'll put all the links in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Aaron. This has been fascinating to discuss everything from agricultural technology to acre trader to the future of ag tech. So thank you, Aaron. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Just before we end, a quick note from our sponsor, Indie Worldwide, an awesome community of indie hackers, founders, and makers. Upon joining, you'll have access to an active Slack community, one-to-one -one introductions with fellow entrepreneurs, over $20,000 in startup discounts, frequent meetups, expert AMAs, and much more. Check the link in the description to join. Thank you for listening.